Hey everybody, welcome back to the a and After Show. Uh, this week it's me, Lindsay Loveridge, with James Beckett. I What's up? The right way this time. Yeah. And we're going to be covering uh, Jujutsu Kaisen and Psalm 100, as well as a little bit of news. There was some exciting news uh, before SDCC kicked off. That's also where Jackie is right now. So Jackie is at San Diego Comic-Con. If you see her, you know, say hi. She's getting footage of the booths and everything for her social media channels. Um, just working her butt off. She was dressed up as Boa Hancock yesterday. And then she was Junko from Rampa today. So if you see her, uh, tell her that Lindsay said hi. And we appreciate all the work she's doing there. Uh, I know she said she's not watching Jujutsu Kaisen with us because this episode was insane. I sent her Discord messages and then immediately regretted it because it kind of seemed like bragging. But <laughs> this is a really good episode. <laughs> so um, before we get to that, uh, another just like short thing. Um, my tummy hurts. So if you hear things through my microphone, it's my tummy. Um, I'm an old lady now, I guess. And when I work too hard, my acid reflux, I think, like acts up. I think I've developed an acid reflux thing, which uh, is new and exciting as all new ailments are as you age, so. Well, uh, as, as, if anime is anything to go by, uh, tummy rumbling is like the funniest noise ever, so. That's true. <laughs> that would just make That's this a true. comedy gold mine. Yeah, yeah, evidently it is uh, cute and will make me more appealing to the audience if I have little tummy rumblies like Winnie the Pooh uh, during serious conversations, so uh, look forward to that. So with that out of the way, um, we. First thing I want to talk about is Lazarus, which is this new series that was just announced. Um, it's got Shinichiro Watanabe of Cowboy Bebop and mm -hmm. is coming to uh, the Toonami block on Adult Swim. We don't have a release date yet, but this is the first new thing we've had from Watanabe since Carolyn Tuesday, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we don't... I'm very really excited. Have... I, I think I saw the... Um... The, the there's a Chad Stel, Chad Stileski, the director of the John Wick movies, is helping with the action choreography. Yeah, he's the action choreographer for this anime that's coming out. Yeah, they got the director of John Wick to do the action choreography, and I know some people got real excited about the soundtrack as well. Um, anyone who's like watched Adult Swim for a while, or if you're familiar with Jason DeMarco, like he's kind of a tastemaker when it comes to music. He seems to kind of be on the up and up on like who is, and so is Shinichiro Atanabe. Like he's yeah. worked with Thundercat and other folks um, in music videos and stuff. So they, they both seem to be big music people. Um, in this case, the anime will have a score by uh, Kamasi Washington and the producer's DJ is Floating Points and Bonobo. Yeah, I'm not personally familiar with their work because I'm basic and listen to Top 40 and stuff all the time, but um, if you're more into jazz and electronica, uh, these guys are supposed to be really good. So, yeah, I'm um, uh, with Stileski on board. It seems like it's going to be a little more action focused. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Watch Anime hasn't done an action focused series in a while, right? It's been mostly kind of drama or music based series like Carolyn Tuesday. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think. I, you know, he I mean, did, Space I Dandy said, was more of a comedy. I mean, it had yeah. some some scenes in it, but it wasn't like action centric. Uh, yeah. This one is supposed to be action and sci-fi. Uh, the story takes place in 2052 and disease has been eradicated 
by a neuroscientist named Dr. Skinner, and he has a drug called Hapuna. And then he just sort of disappears after everyone starts taking it. And, you know, they enter this, this peaceful time period only to show back up and be like, JK, there's a short half-life and all of you are going to die in three years. And so a special task force of five agents and the collectively the task force is called Lazarus are supposed to save humanity from Dr. Skinner's plan. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I'm curious how much of it is at all, was it all influenced by the pandemic? I don't know how long this has been in production. I mean, sometimes it it could be like five years. Right. And it was just, a weird coincidence. Who knows? If it were any other director, uh, the concept of a um, a, a vaccine-based murder conspiracy would give me pause. A couple but, of flags. Yeah, but Watanabe yeah. Is, has proven himself to be more or less on the right side of history when it comes to um, a lot of kind of political and social issues. And yeah. so I'd like to think that it, it's either a really weird coincidence or they're going to do something with it that is um, interesting and not um, uh, cringe-inducing. <laughs> not not conspiracy I mean, theory-esque, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, I mean, he's one, he's one of the greatest of all time. So I, I bare minimum, it's going to be really, really good. I yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention it's being animated at MAPA as well. So they're they're handling the animation over there. Yeah. Just doing just, everything. Yeah, right? It's like what did we do to deserve this? Um, so it's being animated over there. And uh, DeMarco also clarified that Watanabe is directing every single episode. So it's not like a supervising director or um, conceptual aspect and not actually doing the, the directorial work. He is, in fact, directing the show. So it's not like when Gen Urobuchi, like just kind of stamps yeah. his name on a thing and, yeah, and no. they call it a day. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, looks amazing. There's supposed to be Watanabe himself is actually at San Diego Comic-Con right now. And it's today the 22nd, it's the 21st. So the day after tomorrow, um, if you're watching this live, he's going to be there and they're going to show like a sneak preview at the Adult Swim Festival that's going on right now. Super jelly. Would love to be love to be there for that. But we've got some other folks from A&N who will uh, and I will live vicariously through them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wonder if this will be, I wonder how many more he's got in him though, you know, like. Yeah, he's getting up there. Yeah. Um, maybe not just because of age wise, it's just, he seems pretty selective with his projects at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Well, yeah. hell, I mean, Carol, Carolyn Tuesday was what, five years ago? I think. 2018, 17. I would have to look it up. Um, I can click on things. Let's see. Carolyn Tuesday came out in, in uh, it, 2019, yeah. And he was chief director of that, actually, looking back on it. So if he wasn't... I, mean, I was thinking about that show the other day. I feel yeah. like, I mean, with so much of the plot revolving around um, the, the use of AI in mm-hmm. popular entertainment, I feel like he was ahead of the curve. He always is, it feels like, right? Um, I know people weren't big on terror and resonance. And I feel like... I I think that show is underrated. I I think it's underrated. I liked it when I watched it quite a bit. Um, I'd like to go back and revisit it um, to kind of see what my feelings are on it now. But he he directed all of that. He was chief director on 
uh, Space Dandy as well, but that was almost like a um, collective almost. It, there was a lot of like bringing in a lot of guest directors, guest directors. Of- Masaki Yuasa directed one of the episodes on that. They brought in other folks to kind of just do one or the other um, with him supervising it all. And I actually never watched Kids on the Slope. I want, I never, I don't think I finished it. I watched a few episodes of it. I mean, it was one of those shows where it was so, um, it's, I mean, it's very much a coming of age drama. And mm-hmm. with those kinds of stories, I, I usually, it's, it, I either have to like watch it kind of all at once. Right. Or really be in the mood. Um, mm-hmm. And so I need to go back to that one too. Yeah. Yeah. I think I watched a couple episodes of it. Nothing wrong with it. I just wasn't like super engaged and then fell off and never went back. And then bought it on Blu-ray and uh, there was this uh, sound issue on the Blu-ray when it first came out. Um, I'd have to go look it up, but like it ended up having to be fixed because if I remember right, uh, Zach Birchie actually like caused a huge stink about it online. Um, Because it was just, it was like in mono or something like that. It was like. Yeah, not not the show that you want to have a message. In mono, yeah. Yeah, it's about starting like a jazz band, right? Like, yeah. Um, anyway, so, I mean, there's always been years kind of between his projects. Like, Kids on Slope was 2012. Space Dandy was 2014. Um, I didn't know he directed the ending for Death Parade. Um, and then after 2014. Like the, like the ending, like, credits? Or? Yes, yeah, the oh, ending cool. credit okay. sequence. So, yeah. Um, and then... Five year break between Terra and Resonance and Carol and Tuesday. And that was 2019. Now we're, we're about five years on ish for whenever Lazarus will come out. So, anyway, looking forward to that. Really excited. Um, oh, yeah. Hope it, hope it, you know, lives up to, to what it's trying to do. So, speaking of adult swim anime, mm-hmm. um, when the hell is Uzumaki coming out? I don't know, but um, Production IG was at Anime Expo, and they were like, we don't have any news, but it's not canceled. Anyone who tells you it's it's canceled is lying. So unless you hear it from us, Uzumaki's still happening. Okay. That's all I know. I mean, they've got a couple different things in the hopper. He's also a Lord of the Rings animated thing for Adult Swim. Oh, yeah. And... um, some of the other, there was one other one. I think there's some more FLCL that's supposed to be coming. I do, and... I do remember hearing about that. We'll see if that manages to last in the public consciousness for longer than the month after it ended. Right, because I think this one's called like because they've all been named after types of music genres, right? And mm-hmm. I think that one of the new ones is there two. I think one is called Shoegaze, and I can't remember what the other one's called. Um. Ray out since they're making the high movies as well. Yeah, that's a production IG thing, but that's not necessarily an adult swim thing, I don't think. The uh finally getting the like finale high movie. Um yeah, so they've got a couple different things in the works. I hope the Uzumaki series works out. I really like the director behind it, Hiroshi Nagahama. Like, I think he's a really interesting guy. He he did Flowers of Evil. And underrated. Flowers underrated show great show great show people freaked uh, out we may have talked about this before people just freaked out because it was rotoscoped but i think it was genius um, oh it was yeah incredible i mean given the subject matter yeah um yeah i think honestly now it's been a really long time since i've read the manga manga's um, intense 
It is. And I I recall it getting, I recall not loving the back half Mm -hmm. as much as I liked the, the arc that the anime adapts. Yeah. Um, I think it's just one of those manga that kind of goes into some really heavy subject matter, but then doesn't really uh, follow through in a way that I felt fit. But that first arc that the manga captures, I, I think the anime is better, honestly. Yeah. I think it enhances the material. It does, I think. And um, if people want to go back and read Flowers of Evil, that's by Shuzo, is it Oshimi? I think it's, I can't remember if it's Oshimi or Oishimi off the top of my head. Um, he does a lot of really uh, kind of emotionally intense stuff. Um, Inside Mari is another one he's dealt with. And, that, and that's another one where, that's so funny. I didn't realize that was the same author, but that's another yeah. one where I had the exact same problem where I didn't like the ending. I, thought I didn't. Really, I don't really know the good. ending of it, but because I didn't finish it. But yeah. I mean, he, he's he, a lot of the stuff he's done is dealt with like gender issues or gender expression issues. Like there, he has another one out. Dempa Books puts out a lot of his stuff. Um, he's got another one out about a character that uh, between school years transitions and so comes back uh, post transition to female at uh, in the manga. I can't remember what that one's called. It's okay. called Wel- Welcome Back. And then the character's name, and I can't remember what oh, it is. Oh, oh, I've heard of that. Okay, yeah, I would be really interested because honestly, I, I don't want to spoil inside Mari. The, the, Mari well, dealt with some similar themes, though, right? It did, but in kind of like a, a supernatural Thanks, way that uh-huh. I feel. I don't know. I I wish that. It felt to me that the supernatural kind of element and the way that that fit into like the allegory and the the kind of exploration of those gender issues, mm-hmm. I think it got in the way, and I think it mm-hmm. ultimately ended up. It made me wonder, like, does it does the author like really not understand? But I don't know. It it, it rubbed me the wrong way. But the fact that they're that the next project actually deals with just someone that just straight up transitions, I think that that could maybe give the story the opportunity to explore those themes a little more thoroughly. Yeah. I haven't read Welcome Back, Alice, but um, it does seem like uh, Oshimi is interested in in engaging with those topics specifically since he's revisited them a couple different times. Uh, total side note, but Oshimi and Hajime Isayama actually are kind of like co-worker friends. When I interviewed Isayama about manga creators that have like had a positive influence on him during his career. He, he mentioned Oshimi. So, yeah, um, I buy it. it yeah. He seems uh, like a cool dude. I, yeah. <laughs> I just... Yeah. Blood on the tracks, I think is one of the ones that's currently being put out, uh, put out as well. I, I don't remember what the plot of blood on the tracks is, but yeah, all the stuff is pretty, pretty intense. I don't know if he's done anything. That's just sort of like chill, like a rom-com. That's just a rom-com, you know? Um, okay. Uh, oh, we also want to talk about real quick for our Pokemon fans out there. We're getting the final episodes of Ash's, the culmination of Ash's journey. Now these have been out in Japan for months now at this point. Uh, this is the Pokemon to be a Pokemon master, uh, set of episodes. It is, if I remember right, 11, 11 episodes that are supposed to like kind of wrap up his, his journey. And those will be coming to Netflix on September 8th. So you have a date now. Um, <laughs> Nick says Oshimi and, and Chill are antonyms. Yeah, that's yeah, yep. pretty accurate. 
So, um, I don't know, like, I haven't watched uh, Ultimate Journeys, Master Journeys or anything, but I might just watch the last 11 episodes with no context just so I can see the end of Ashes. Uh, I feel like everyone from our generation, I don't want to say obligated, but I feel like we could stand to get something out of watching those. those yeah, episodes, right? You know? Some like, sort that of was general. That closure. was like, yeah, that was, I mean, uh, for those of you guys that weren't there, it is impossible to really describe how much of a of an explosion Pokemon was in the world of the youths. Like it was, yeah. um, I mean, I, I can't really think of, of anything that's comparable. Like, yeah, we had Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon. Yeah. Um, but the fact that... The, it doesn't have the merchandising know, that went with Pokemon no. where you could just like... Well, the fact really that you're like middle-aged mom who was born in like the 50s or 60s or whatever yeah. would know could know what a Pikachu was. Right. And like understood that. It was like, oh yeah, that's Pikachu, that's Bulbasaur. Like it was yeah. truly just, I mean, when we saw the attempts to try to replicate that success. Yeah. Um, and it just I never mean, worked. There's really never been anything like it. Yu-Gi-Oh! and Digimon initially because they like kids kind of saw them as, as and Beyblade sort of stuff. Like those all yeah. tried to get in there at the same time. And we were like, no, this is an OG, Pokemon's OG. This is crap. Um, yeah, it's funny to think about, you know, Pokemon got my mom having to take my brother to like card shops as a kid. Like we mm -hmm. had a, we had a card shop in town that probably it was, it was called the Batcave. Um, and it had, you know, kind of a 1960s Batman logo sort of deal on it, you know, completely unlicensed. Um, and you would go in there and it was like in a strip mall and they were probably used to Magic the Gathering, which, you know, was already, that was sort of like the weeb card game if you weren't doing uh, like baseball cards or basketball I mean, cards. That was really like the only one for a, a long yeah. time. I mean, there were like, you know, there were niche ones, but I mean, Magic was the game that really kind of established what a trading card game could be. Yeah. So, the fact that yeah. Pokemon was able to move in on its territory again that speaks volumes yeah i mean kids on the playground there were there were urban legends made up about the games that people still know you know about how to get mew or other sorts of weirdness um there you know the lavender town music and how it was cursed uh you know, yeah, so, i mean the original creepypastas yeah original or... creepypasta was lavender town music um and, you know, everyone knew Holographic Charizard was it. And if you had one, like, you were hot shit. People, you know, they had to ban bringing your cards to school because of yeah. theft and things like that. Like, yeah. schools had to adapt to the prevalence of this this thing, you know. They were like, they were like vaping for, <laughs> for millennial fifth graders. Right. Yes, exactly. You know, um, God, I have uh, my brother he's three years younger than me messaged me. Um, this was a while back. Cause he had gone on like the Pokemon subreddit and shared a story about how I wouldn't let had lied to him while playing Pokemon red. Cause we had red. We had, well, we had blue version first. So we'll say it was Pokemon blue. And I had told him, um, I wouldn't, I would let him play it, but I wouldn't let him save his game because you could only have one save file on the cartridge and I didn't want him to overwrite my save. And so every time he would play it, he would basically get past the first gym and have to start all over. Cause I mean, how long are you going to sit there and play before your Game Boy batteries run out? Um, 
Especially with how slow you walked back in those OG Pokemon yeah, games. Uh, yeah, and so he put it on Reddit, I think expecting to be, um, uh, you know, people vindicated. To, yeah, vindicated people to commiserate with him. And they're like, I'm surprised she even let you play it. I wouldn't have trusted you with it. Yeah. I was like, yeah. And also I had no memory of this. So this is just an example of how older siblings can do shit to younger siblings. And um we don't internalize it at all. I don't have no memory of time. For you, it was just a Tuesday. It was just a Tuesday. No, Andrew, you can't save your game on Pokemon League. You're going to erase my stuff. I'm like, at League 4, no, you can't play. <laughs> or you can't save it. Oh, come on, CS. Yeah. Um, it was just a, it was a whole thing. I also have memories of, like, not having any concept of how the game really worked. So I remember, like, I don't think I, I, I never played a full Pokemon game. Like, I remember, game. like, I, I would go played. into it early and I'm like, I'm just catching everything because I didn't understand how the evolution or whatever works. So, like, yeah, I had both the Caterpie oh, oh, the and the Metapod because yeah. I was just like, well, you got to catch everything for your Pokedex, right? Completely. Yeah. I never once played a full game of the trading card game to completion. Oh, by yeah. owning multiple decks. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I've got great decks. How do you play? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like theory crafting your deck. No, like, I just like looking at the cards. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I feel like I have memory. I had a friend in school who would like theory craft a deck and that, like, oh, yeah, I put this many of this in it. So that way, if this happens, then maybe this will happen. And that would be really good. And like, yeah, but you don't ever actually play against anybody. But like, there's still tournaments though that you can go to in a lot of towns. Um, and there are kids there winning little junior championships and they're like eight years old. So it's still going. Uh, Those were the days. Um, We're also going to be getting Pokemon Horizons, which is the new series with the new uh, dual protagonists. Uh, Is it Liko or Rico? The girl's name, I believe is Liko. Yep. Liko. And the boy is Roy. Um, And I don't know. Roy looks a lot like, go to me to be honest as far as like his character design i guess it's a little bit yeah. different he has a hat i don't think go has a hat but um, I mean, that makes all the difference yeah really. but it looks cute i mean in, the, in this version pikachu's got a navy captain hat so so perfect perfect Absolutely. yeah no notes give give little pikachu a hat um roy's got fue coco the the apple-y looking alligator and um, Liko has um, Weed Cat, whose name is Sprigatito, mm-hmm. right? What did they think they were doing with that that leak design? So, anyway, look. Uh, I mean, it we, is Japan. They they probably couldn't conceive of of anyone <laughs> under the age of uh, fifty even knowing what weed is. Yeah, so. well, Ikuhara put a preteen drug dealer in Sarazanmai, so. Some people know. They know they know what they're getting. Um, didn't um, doesn't, didn't uh, Fujiko uh, light up a bomb in that? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I guess I guess Ikuhara Sayo Yamamoto, because I'm pretty sure that's the woman called Fujiko Mine where she does that. Or yeah. maybe it was one of the or it could have been one of the loop in the third where it's like Roman numeral R D. No, it, it was, I'm thinking of a woman called Fujiko. Okay, yeah. yeah. So Sayo Yamamoto, and I'm trying to think of the one. I watched one other. Oh, uh, Masaki Yuasa put it in Japan Seeks 2020 in that commune. They're all growing weed and putting weed in everything and eating it. So 
Uh, yeah. Dude, hot boxing with the Lupin crew would be so chill. It would. I'm just gonna, it would just be a great time. Anyway, it would. Yeah, that, that's like a perfect pass pass puff rotation is oh, yeah. Lupin crew for sure. Um, last thing we wanted to talk about uh, there is the Ghibli Park, not to be mistaken with the Ghibli Museum. The Ghibli Park is uh, the theme park that opened up in which prefecture was that? Uh, Aichi Prefecture. So, like, it's not in Tokyo. Um, they're adding two new areas. One looks to be a recreation of Howl's house. James and I were talking before the show about how we hope there's, like, some animatronic uh, moving parts here, because this yeah. would just be so cool to, like, crawl around and stuff in. But to be honest, some of the uh, vibe I've gotten from this park is that it's a lot more look at and a lot less interact with um, compared to like what we expect from when we go to like Disney or something. So yeah. it's like an actual park. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's really more like a park with a lot of like some installations that are Ghibli related more so than like there's, there's no rides as far as I'm aware. Like there's no kind of like, roller coaster or even teacup sort of children's ride or like a, i'm surprised there's not a train at least like a little train to take you around the park because that would be very ghibli ghibli to uh in my opinion but they really need us to build a bathhouse and then like they'll just kind of randomly steal children yeah <laughs> and put them to work in the bath um with that said let's talk about jujutsu kaisen we're going to talk about jujutsu kaisen season two episode three AKA the, the episode that made me uh, smile, um, almost cry, maybe twice, and also scream. So, yep. all around a good episode of anime, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It starts out with the maid being kidnapped, Kuroi, and they do this great uh, fake out where we think this is going to be like the big climate like they're going to infiltrate and get her out and everything that's going to be the the big point of the episode and it is completely sidelined yeah it doesn't even make it past the cold open yeah yeah um they even do this like they do this whole talk and everything about um oh rico you can come with us but if you chicken out halfway we're not we're going to ignore you or they seem smarter than they look we're going to leave you behind because we can't put you in danger and then it just like abruptly flashes to them on the beach. Yeah. And James, you want to talk about that real quick? I'm actually going to unplug and replug in my camera. I feel like this is a connection problem. Okay. Yeah, no. So um, they completely 100% uh, skip over the, um, the rescue operation, which I've been saying for years. Uh, years? Year? How long has the show been around? Whatever. I've been saying for however long Jujutsu Kaisen has been around that this show is secretly like one of the best anime comedies of the last 10 years. And this episode simply reinforces my point. Because this episode was funny as hell. Uh, until it wasn't. But when they're on the beach, when they're hanging out, it's a great time. Um, who do you think drew the feet? <laughs> was what I said. I was going to say that there's, I feel like every studio at this point, and definitely at MAPPA, based on um, the power uh, toilet scene from Chainsaw Man, okay. I feel like they have to have a dedicated feet person. Yeah. That's just like sitting there waiting for their time. And whenever they got a shot like this, it's like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for all season. So they also um, completely faked me out. And I am 
uh, mad about this because I thought Nanami <laughs> was going to get his moment. They like flew Nanami and this other kid out who seems nice enough all the way out <laughs> to Okinawa where, where this whole situation ended up going down. And then they didn't get to do anything. Are you liking that Nanami looks like the leader of like a scene emo band? He does. Notice he doesn't have glasses. I don't know if he's wearing contacts. He doesn't have glasses. Um, this is the most exhausted looking 15 to 16 year old I've seen in my life. Because Yeah, in Japan, first year high school would be a sophomore for most US folks. So he's 15 or 16 years old and he looks already done with it. I mean, this, this boy was born middle-aged, which I respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I liked the all of the beach interaction, to be honest. I feel like, I mean, this might feel like a diversion or something, but it was building, it, I feel like it was building a rapport between yep. Rico and everyone else so that you would grow kind of attached to her. This is like you seeing that she's funny and like she's down to goof off. She's not like uppity or stock up or whatever she's down for a good time uh she's nice she would make a good member of the crew um her... she's awkward and lonely because she grew up without friends yeah and her parents died in a terrible car accident and she's been raised by a murder maid ever since um and now she's gonna lose her entire identity in order to be taken over by some kind of magic entity uh required for Barriers. Keeping up a shield. <laughs> Keeping up a shield. Um, want to thank James for making this worse than it needed to be. Um, anyone who doesn't know what you're looking at, this is a censored image of a sea cucumber spewing its guts out because that's how they eat, I think, or they do this as a defense mechanism. Yeah, it's um, like they're get away from me. Yeah, except it's all white looking. I just know that fluid YouTube's... coming out of a potato. <laughs> <laughs> I use that the YouTube's uh, uh, content bot can go a little crazy sometimes, and I didn't want to take any chances. Yeah. So. so, yeah, most of this episode is, you know, them in Okinawa, which is very, uh, like, a tr tropical. Like, I think people maybe forget where Japan is located as far as, like, in the ocean. You don't have to go that far south before you start getting into tropical water. Like, there's a reason a lot of Japanese people also vacation in Australia. So, yep. um, and Hawaii for that matter. But anyway, they just like goof off in Okinawa, and this is them trying to give her more experiences because she's been so cooped up up to this point, you know. Um, that's kind of like the underlying thing. They go to an aquarium, there's a beautiful music score during the entire aquarium scene that really mm -hmm. stuck out to me. Um, we see whale sharks and just, you know, getting all those like sort of wistful feelings that always come with an aquarium for some reason what is it about an aquarium that like evokes like introspection i'm saying this to james probably, probably, probably never will go to an aquarium right james i don't i'm okay with aquariums oh okay, okay. um i don't linger in aquariums yeah. because then i have to like really focus on some of the creepy evil bugfish. Mm -hmm. uh, but i like aquariums i got married in an aquarium actually know um, that i did yeah wow um yeah we got to reserve the whole thing and we got passes for all of our guests it was a great time yeah um i feel like it's probably like you know it's dark you've got the water mm -hmm. um i mean this i'm sure you could uh psychoanalyze about you know we all came from the ocean at yeah. some point or another and it's really the closest that we can safely be to 
that ecosystem, that environment, um, mm -hmm. without you know having to wear protective gear or anything. Yeah, and I don't know. It's it uh, to me, aquariums have always felt a little more. Um, maybe it's because. I mean, it's just because it's a more controlled environment, but aquariums have always felt a little less theme parky than zoos to me. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they can decorate, they can create atmosphere where you can't yeah. really do that in like an outdoor zoo. Mm -hmm. It's just hard. Yeah. Um, but no, aquariums are cool. As yeah. long as, you know, you just, I don't pet the, I don't pet the uh, stingrays. That's gross okay. and weird. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're weird little flat faces underneath their, uh, I hate, it. I hate everything bad. <laughs> not not a fan. Not a fan. Um, right out since they went to the Seattle Aquarium and it was kind of underwhelming. I've been to that aquarium um, as a Washington native. It's been a handful of years. I too remember thinking it was a little underwhelming. Actually, there's not a lot there except like the big thing is, you know, the, the sea walk deal, you know, the, the tube, mm -hmm. which is cool. But it's, you can get through the entire thing and probably under under two and a half hours or something which compared to like if i go to the oregon zoo which is much closer to me uh you can spend a whole freaking day at the oregon i've heard zoo. um i i went to a wedding in georgia last october and i wasn't able to go but um a few of my friends that were um that showed up a couple of days early met up and they went to the aquarium in atlanta and mm -hmm. apparently it is like next level good according to oh them. wow yeah, yeah they said that it was like kind of mind-blowing so wow. check out the atlanta georgia aquarium if you're ever in the yeah. neck of the woods yeah if you uh ever hit up dragon con that's in georgia right and you need to get away from the crowds go check out uh their aquarium apparently uh, we're also getting recommendations for the new england aquarium and the vancouver aquarium which i'm assuming that's bc um and the vancouver aquarium helps rest uh houses rescues so that's very cool atlanta yeah. aquarium is legit Thanks, guys. Um, maybe I'll go on a aquarium road trip. That actually sounds like it would be really cool. So you change this to the aquarium after show. Just yeah, uh, just mood setting vibes of, of deep sea footage. Um, so yeah, they have their their Okinawa trip, and then it's finally time to wrap things up. That's supposed to be the end of Ghetto and Gojo's bodyguard duty, and Rico is supposed to become, you know, Tengen Sama. And that's when things get nuts, right? We have all these bonding moments with all the characters where they're really close. Um, I really like this picture that you sent, James, because look at Get look at Ghetto. He just looks like he's just smiling oh, at his best friend. He looks happy. This is not the man that we currently know in the JJK universe at all. Um, this is about when I knew that things were going to go horrible because I was like, they're they're really making us try to love these characters and so something and i, I mean we knew that and like it worked, even right if, if the plan went how it was supposed to rico was gonna die yeah um or you know get erased or whatever and so yeah. i think you could be forgiven for just kind of assuming that they're sort of setting that up but i think especially after what happened to uh yuji's buddy from mm -hmm. season one yeah um I, I I've come to expect this show to uh, to pull tricks like this, and yeah. it worked. It, it, yeah, it broke my heart. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I guess I I got so pulled into that narrative that I completely forgot that Megumi's dad, his name is James. You you put down his name this time. To Toji. To Toji is still 
you know, lurking about. Like he's the one who put the hit on Rico and started moving everything forward. And apparently it was less because he was concerned about Rico becoming Tengen Sama and more because he wanted to f- kill or fight uh, Gojo, right? And we even see that like he at one point in the past decided to to kind of get a scope him out and apparently he's not usually sensed by other people but even as a child uh, Gojo was able to sense him so just when you think oh okay they're getting her to Tengen Sama and uh, everything's going to be fine Toji? Did you say it was Toji? Toji comes out of nowhere and just stabs stabs uh, Gojo right through right through the tummy yeah and then his tummy hurt just like mine um (laughs) and it was just we have a censored version of this picture that we'll put up here because we don't know what youtube's going to do anymore you know use your imagination i think you know what's going on here man i was upset when that happened i like yelled almost as much as i yelled for later in this episode but i mean i don't know they they kept doing this thing this episode where during the fight sequences, they would like kind of over explain what was going on. And Gojo was like, yeah, I moved all my, my internal organs, internal organs yeah. out of the way. So I, I, I'm fine. It, it's cool. It's cool. And then they got into a really cool fight. Yeah, they did. And the over explaining, honestly, the over explaining is, I think the one major writing flaw with JJK that I, yeah. I, I doubt it's ever really going to overcome. I think right. it's just one of its bad bad uh shonen manga habits yeah um it's not as bad as the season of demon slayer which felt like most of the season was characters explaining what was going on in front of them yeah Um, yeah but it can it can like i think the scene would have been a lot stronger i mean i obviously we kind of had to know how gojo survived but i think that there's a more elegant way to go about these battle exchanges but i don't know yeah yeah Could be it's, also, it's also just kind of like a shonen jump staple at this point like it drives me crazy in jojo's bizarre adventure too i'm like stop stop, stop yeah it. that's yeah. I, that's honestly I, I i stopped reading jojo's um mostly because i, I could not deal with how much of it was the ex- explaining yeah um it's just uh, that's something i like about chainsaw man it's, yeah so much of chainsaw man boils down to just like Chainsaw what do you think happened. <laughs> yeah, chainsaw go burr. So it's like, yeah. we don't we don't have to worry about it that much. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's still a great fight. Excellent animation. Yeah. Super cool visuals. He's um, got a he's got a weird cursed baby caterpillar. I, I almost not... said that thing's face too, but I think that would have <laughs> made it look a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this was this this whole part was just really cool. I mean, he's a really cool villain in general, and I've already kind of gushed about him being hot villain daddy or whatever but i was curious about this i didn't notice until now that the little cursed guy even has like tiny little hairs on the top of his head that are disgusting um he came out of ghetto's cursed spirit with that guy and ghetto's cursed spirit was like a giant bug so i couldn't help but wonder like if this bug thing was actually something that he took out of ghetto's cursed spirit because they they're sim they're similar looking. This one's much smaller, obviously, and purple. Yeah. And Ghetto's was like this big white larva looking thing, right? Um, I don't know, but yeah, he just kind of comes out with that. And I guess he is able to 
I don't, even with all the explaining, I don't fully understand like the limitations of Toji. Like he doesn't have curse powers, right? Which actually benefits him because that means uh, Gojo can't just sense where he is by honing in on that. But he's able to somehow work with, with this spirit thing, right? Is he just like a contractual? Maybe like he can still do. Is it that well? Aren't because aren't his weapons like curse powered? Kind of. Like, I think uh, so. Like Maki's. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's just something that his his blade can do. I've also seen people talk extensively about how like the system in JJK is is really hard to understand. <laughs> like it's not. I yeah. I I yeah. honestly don't think about it too much i kind of yeah. let it wash over me because i figure yeah. whatever we we need to know the show will explain and yeah. um unless it like the show has done a good job of never breaking its own rules or i guess it never explaining its own rules enough to where breaking them is super obvious and so yeah. like, it doesn't really take me out of the battles yeah i usually just end up going oh okay i guess that's something they can do cool yeah yeah, it's similar, kind of like when, uh, like in Ava 4.44, where they're just like... <laughs> the whole last third of that movie was like, like, sure, whatever. Sure. whatever. That's a thing. How should so you when... doing? Is he going to be okay? All right. Right? I know. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's one scene in that movie where they're like in the middle of their fight, and the new girl, she goes on like a 20-second like explanation, like vomit where i feel like the poor voice actress could barely breathe and it's yeah. nothing but proper nouns yeah and i'm like at, at this point i'm oh no i'm pretty sure this is you're messing with us yeah <laughs> i'm like, pretty sure you're messing troll, with us. right this is it yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah the whole so the whole plot for that is uh, toji orchestrated all this crap to basically get gojo really tired and sleep deprived so he'd have a chance to to beat him and he appears to, I don't know, I mean, there's a screenshot. There's a censored screenshot. Like, he, he yeah, like, gouges that, that poor guy out. Um, he appears to be dead. This is one of those situations, though, where, like, we know the future. Because this is a flashback. So, spoiler, I mean, Gojo's not dead, right? Yeah. Unless but, that, I mean, that being said, with, I mean, with the way this universe works, mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he could die, but then, like, come back, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, and we um, there was it kind of reflects back with uh, Yuji, right? Like mm. Yuji died and then came back, came back, right? And Gojo hit him for a while. Everyone really thought he was dead, and then he had the like silliest, most anticlimactic, like "Hey guys, I'm actually still here" uh, thing. So, yeah. Um, and in the meantime, Ghetto's taking Rico down to where Tengen is, and they've decided he actually gave her the option again like i'm amazed at how sweet ghetto is in all this flashback stuff because we know he becomes like a jujutsu supremacist essentially right mm -hmm. like um but they give her the option of of not going through with it because they think it's and it is effed up to take a high school girl and make her become the like the host for this crazy entity so um it, it was cute like, when Ghetto was telling Gojo, like, you know, that probably means we'll have to fight the thing, right? Like, yeah, it'll probably be mad. Yeah, and Gojo's like, yeah, whatever. We're like the strongest, so I mean, <laughs> it's it's that teenage cockiness too, where it's like, 
yeah, maybe you're the strongest. And you, what do you think will happen if you defeat Tengen? Like all the adults, this entire system is going to go against you for this. And they're just like, and but. also the jujitsu schools will no longer have barriers. So all of your friends and teachers will probably die. Yeah. Or be open to attack at least. Right. So yeah. it's, yeah. But you know, it, it doesn't matter because this, this, this is, you know, not fair. And so they're going to take her out and take her back home. And then she gets sniped based well, not literally like with a sniper rifle, but I mean, Toji caps her in the, in the head. And that, that is when I screamed. Yeah, it was, I mean, the, again, it's really, it's such a testament to, even though the, if you just describe this plot on paper, mm -hmm. it's pretty straightforward, even kind of predictable, right? Like maybe the, the, the way that Toji came in at the end, but like, you know, they, they take her to enjoy her last kind of her last days, they mm -hmm. get close. Toji shows up at the last minute to ruin everything. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the editing, the direction, the animation, it's so good that all of those plot elements, I think, work really well. Like, even though we only got to know Rico for, like, two episodes. Yeah. I also was super upset when she died. Yeah, yeah, because I liked her. She seemed like a fun kid, you know, and, like, a fun member of the cast. Um, she didn't want to be the vessel. Like, that's not her yeah. fault. Yeah, no, yeah, that's not her fault either. And um, again, like you're saying, like the plot beats all seem pretty straightforward and maybe predictable. Maybe if you're watching this from a more cynical angle, like if I, I don't go into anime being like, how many of these things can I see coming? And then don't <laughs> allow myself to get invested in the story. So, I mean, I was invested the entire time. So I was just taking it plot beat by plot beat instead of, you know, there was nothing that pulled me out where I was like, oh, you know, I bet he's going to kill her here or anything like that. And honestly, I hate people who do that. Like when you go to movies and like someone's spending the time to guess movie, the movie, yeah. like trying to guess the whole time. Shut up. Shut up. Just do it in your head. Just do it in do your head. head. Whatever. If, if you don't want to enjoy the film because you think it's really predictable and like you can't let it, you know, like release yourself long enough to care about any of the characters, then do that. But don't do it to me. So, yeah, I just I didn't. I didn't see it coming, even though it was all set up and plotted well enough. And this is a terrifying picture of Toji, uh, where he thinks he's, you know, killed Gojo. Um, so, and then the episode basically ends, but it's uh, Ghetto about to absolutely lose it. So we know that he's got this, like, dragon curse spirit, because we saw it fly along the airplane earlier in there, like, the branding <laughs> story vibes, sort of sort of thing going on while they were flying to Okinawa. I don't know if we've seen a terrifying trench coat lady before. Um, I'm so scared either. of That's her. I know nothing about her, but I am scared of her. Um, yeah. I just feel like she's going to take the, the bandages off her face and have like a really terrifying face or something. Um, mm. We can probably expect Gojo to like come back at some point during this fight, but I think Rico's like out. Yeah, they, I mean, they had that line that I thought was maybe... I, I haven't read the manga, so I have no idea what's yeah. coming up. Um, but they did have that line where I think Geto says, by the way, Tengen's going to be protecting you the whole time. Cause, like, oh, right, right. Tengen has, is invested in keeping you alive. And so if next week they pulled a, like, oh, surprise, like Tengen can bring her back, but it means that you know, he could only keep her alive with his Tengen powers long enough to assimilate or whatever. Yeah, sure. um, I, I wouldn't be surprised by that, but I don't, mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, she's not going home. Yeah, no. Way. Like she's, I don't think she's, she's not 
don't yeah. think she's ever walking out of the Tengentron. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. So I don't know, man. So that made me mad, and then you know, Gato got all mad, and then I felt justified in being mad, and I'm like, yeah, beat up Toji. But I mean, I don't think this is going to be the last we see a Toji either, based on. Um, I don't think he's dead in the current timeline. So we'll just have to see what happens. I, th- I thought Megumi had spoken of him like he was still. That, that was my impression. Was that yeah. He wasn't dead. I, yeah. I've been, I've been and expecting all three of these characters to make it out of this. And I'm assuming that they'll have some kind of like big reunion yeah. in the present day. Yeah. But, you know, they're all different now. So. Right. Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Like their allegiances and, and everything has changed. I was just checking our, our next stuff and was making sure I didn't download the wrong screen caps. So yeah, I guess that about sums it up for GHK, just like a really excellent episode. Um, there were a lot of really beautiful sequences. We kind of already touched on it. Like the aquarium sequence was really good. The fight sequences were really good. Um, great the flashback with um, with her kind of remembering being raised by Kuroi. Yeah. Very, very touching. Yes, yeah. I, I really liked how they managed to develop that relationship, again, in a really short period of time. I mean, we knew from the earlier episode when Kuroi was talking to them about her, they she mentioned... Um, Rico's parents dying and that she had raised her for so long and that was when I think it was Ghetto who said oh so you're her family which was really yeah. sweet and but this so, helps you feel it like this helps you like yeah 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 like you said it, it 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 puts you in the story instead of just like understanding the plot it's one of my biggest complaints is, is our anime where I feel like there's not enough of a difference between just reading the summary of an episode on Wikipedia. Yeah. Where it just feels like it's a plot delivery mechanism. Mm-hmm. But episodes like this, again, remind you that there's a difference between just getting a story out beat for beat for beat and actually letting us live in that story for a while. Yeah. 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 I'm just um, impressed so far with how they have um, utilized the the time in each episode to like get the most out of it for the audience i don't feel like anything's wasted and i don't but i also don't feel like anything is like just purely there for spectacle um and even though i complained a little bit about like some of the overly talky like yeah i dodged this for it's still not done to the extent that i've seen it in other series to the point where i'm like get on with it sort of stuff so yeah just excellent all around um i was pretty confident when they announced who the new director was just because of his other work, but I feel like they've really cemented that the series is in, in good hands with him. So I Which, agree. Yeah. So we also wanted to talk about ZOM 100. Um, this episode, I think, is pretty light on discussion as far as, because I mean, in the end, this is a beer run, right? This episode is mostly like him going yeah. on a beer run and, uh, trying to get drunk and watch movies. But but other than that, we do meet who I think our leading lady is going to be. James, do you recall what her name is? I I don't think we actually, I don't think we get her name in the episode. but, But her name is Shizuka. Okay. Just... So we can talk about yeah talk about her. Otherwise, you have to be calling her like hoodie girl or something like that, right? She wears yeah. a hoodie. I wondered if maybe like because we see a, like her computer and stuff, and yeah, I wondered if maybe like 
I, I figured this, the subtitle team would have done this if it was important, but maybe we saw like her name on like her computer screen or something. Oh, sure, sure, um, sure, sure. But I can't, I can't read Japanese outside of hiragana and katakana. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's great. She's buff. She's no nonsense. She has a whole suite of multivitamins to yeah. draw from every day. So yeah. she's basically the opposite of Akira. Uh, sorry, just one second. No worries. Um, I am, once again, always appreciating when an anime uh, respects the appeal of a buff heroine. Uh, someone sorry, my husband needed a cookbook. It's then, okay. I was just uh, talking about how... <laughs> I was just talking about how nice it is to have a, a buff leading lady. Yes, uh, yeah. Um, there, uh, I appreciate the original creator and the animation team for not being cowards. Um, yeah. She is cool. Uh, I mean, Mikasa was was buff, but she had like a more reserved personality. Not that we have to necessarily pit them against each other, but like Shizuka is buff and kicks ass, and she like judo throws the main character like the first time they meet, so he doesn't get hit by a speeding truck. And she just does not seem to give a shit about his little feelings or crush on her because as far as she can tell, um, he is not utilizing his, his time correctly in order to survive as long as he can. Well, that's, I think, thematically, I think what made this episode interesting is it's very much exploring, like, when you're, when you're put in this situation where your entire future has basically been given back to you, mm -hmm. right? Um, depending on how you look at it or taken from you, right? Mm -hmm. um, do you choose to live purely for like hedonistic, like pleasure oriented? I'm going to live every single day like it's my last. I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's captured really well in the fact that Akira's bucket list is 100 things to do before I become a zombie. Right. You know, he's just like, it's going to happen. I'm going to get zombified at some point. So I want to make sure that uh, before that happens, I actually live my life. Yeah. She's still very much, her, her little list is a uh, hundred things to do to avoid becoming a zombie. Right. So she's, she's turned survival into her full-time job. Yeah. Um, to the point where she doesn't really seem to be enjoying her life at all. She's just trying to make it to the next day. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like uh, based on the wonderful, by the way, ending uh, credit animation that I think is super charming and wholesome. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of the show is going to be about striking the balance, right? Like, yes, you do want to live for yourself. You want to make sure that you're using your time. Um, but the only way to to keep that time is to maybe make slightly smarter decisions than going for a midday beer run in the middle of the zombie yeah. apocalypse. Yeah, I think there is a middle ground between what she's doing and what um, Akira's doing. I mean, I, I actually think Akira is a little more in the right mindset as far as living day to the fullest, given how unemotive Shizuka seems. Um, you brought up a good point, though, about how either your future was given to you or maybe it was taken from you because, I mean, Akira's was obviously given to him, right? He was mm -hmm. living in a horrible situation, was unhappy, was on the verge of like suicide, all those other sorts of things. But that doesn't mean there weren't other people in Japan who were living fulfilling lives and enjoying what they were their day to day and like had um, things going well for them and lost all of it as I mean, well. Shizuka seems like she was pre doing pretty well for herself. She, yeah. she worked like an international job. She has this swanky apartment. With yeah. Little, you know. yeah she, unless, I mean, unless she, uh, 
got into that condo and then barricaded the doors behind her sort of thing. I assume that it's, yeah, probably hers. And she was doing, I mean, that that's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, a zombie apocalypse happens. Um, I, well, no, I probably stay put TBH. It's safer to already be here. And I know where all my exits and entrances are in my own home, but um, I could see some people being like, I'm moving on up. Yeah, right. And yeah, and taking over, taking over something. Um, like in, uh, it's like in, um, oh, what's that movie? Uh, with uh, Mark, Mar- uh, not Mark Zuckerberg, but the guy that played Mark Zuckerberg. Um, uh, Zombieland. It's like in Zombieland yeah, where they, yeah, move yeah. Into, they move into the White House <laughs> and, and just turn it into their their pleasure palace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick also points out that you know there's two neighbors that we see in this, right? Like he's shimmying down a drain pipe yep. um, to go on his beer run and realizes. Uh, some neighbors below him are have survived or are doing their best to uh, survive. But he is, Akira's still like riding on a high. He's completely carefree with his newfound freedom. And Shizuka's right that he's not quite taking it as seriously as he should because he comes back and they're dead. Yeah. And it's just, that's, yeah. Um, and that's sad. Like they, we didn't get to know him super well. I can't remember. Was their marriage pretty toxic? Were they like arguing in that episode? It's been a little, it's been a few days since I mean, watched it. They're arguing in like what I would say is like a reasonable amount for, for or I don't even know if it was arguing. They were just like freaked out and stressed. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's very much, uh, I don't know. I think it, it, it plays into like when he actually sits down to write that bucket list, a lot yeah. of his items come like are based on like, relationships like he wants to form relationships yeah like he wants to go see his parents who live like in a rural area and his best friend who maybe presumably is also out there as well um oh man you see i took that i almost that's so funny i interpreted that as like he wanted to make a best friend yeah like oh maybe i thought i thought he was remembering like a childhood like someone he went to high school with or something but maybe yeah or something yeah i don't know um one other thing that kind of uh, got caught my attention as far as uh, how serious he may or may not be taking it, the the couple underneath him did it request something from him when he went to the convenience store. This could be an oversight and might not, maybe I'm not supposed to be reading that much into it, but when he's in the convenience store, I was watching to see if he got it because I think they asked for tissue or something. Toilet um, paper. Yeah. Well, toilet paper. And um, he did not put that in his shopping bag. Like, we don't actually no. ever see him get them the toilet paper that they asked for. And I was kind of like, oh, dude, you already forgot about them. I mean, you to know? his credit, the, the store did get destroyed. That is, yeah, it did get hit by a truck. But still, so. I also, I did notice it's like, oh, well, you yeah. it'd be kind of weird to be like, all I got was beer. But hey, you want to... You know, yeah. he was kind of like he was going to invite them up. He was like, "Hey, like, let's, you know, yeah, we could maybe let's chill." Go, you know? Yeah, I wonder how they got in there. Like, the zombies must have got into the apartment, or, or they tried to leave and failed or something because they haven't gotten into his apartment. But I'm kind of wondering if that might be what episode three is about because he does eventually leave. Mm-hmm. Like, we know he gets a motorcycle and starts doing stuff, and I don't know if that's 100 on his own or because also his living space ends up being um jeopardized if zombies can just get in and you know kill his neighbors it's, yeah uh nick says he got distracted by the titty um that may also be true <laughs> you know, it's happened to uh, the best of us yeah 
I mean, he got a shot, right? Zombie apocalypse, run into a hot chick at a convenience store, tried to exchange numbers, and she's like, no, actually, um, you seem like you are probably going to get killed, so let's just... You seem really dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, that was basically just a bit... I felt like the, the animation this time around was still pretty good. I saw some people in the comments saying that it was maybe uh not quite as up to par as the premiere i didn't notice a big step down personally um Mm, i feel like it was maybe more about just the directing was less bombastic like i think on purpose like he's no longer it's no longer in that like traumatizing place of of his work life like it's it's meant to be a little more steady mm-hmm. um i did notice and appreciate that like once we got to shizuka's story like it went all widescreen to like, yeah. show, like she's like serious like she yeah like- <laughs> yeah they've done some some interesting stuff i mean and just in the fact that like his bucket list is written in handwritten in a notebook and hers typed out on a excel spreadsheet also like tells you a lot about the differences between the characters without you know like beating you over the head with it i liked that um she should have ate the mochi though i can't understand that to be honest like i would i would eat all the fucking mochi i've been to japanese convenience stores this is zombie apocalypse i'm rating the desserts like end of story um, you know I, I my first thought was because someone pointed out in the comments earlier like you know why why does she think specifically that like eating sugar is something that has to be avoided you know, mm-hmm. in this apocalypse. And I mean, there are a lot of different explanations, but my first thought was, I was maybe wondering, is she someone that maybe like used to suffer from like body image or weight issues? Yeah, and, like, I mean, it does immediately, it did immediately kind of strike me as like um, ED kind of stuff, like a, an eating yeah. disorder. I mean, or- Or, or even it, just like she she worked really hard to get that super, you know, fit physique. Yeah. And she maybe knows that like, now that like society's gone, I could I could eat all the mochi I want. Yeah. And so instead I must eat no mochi, but then you're depriving yourself, you know. Yeah. The, yeah, the it does seem like she's trying to stick to like a really I mean, it's just another element to show that she's got like a regimen and she's kind of she adheres to it and there's not a lot of flexibility to allow herself to enjoy things in moderation on occasion, you know? Um which super restrictive eating like that I mean, you do see it in diet culture and in um, some athletic circles, and it can evolve into unhealthy situations. Instead of like like a little bit of sugar sometimes, it's no sugar ever. Yeah. Yeah. She's trying to stay away from sugar. We we know she works out because she's got a treadmill and everything too. So it's not like, you know, it's not like she's at a risk of overeating a whole lot, becoming sedentary, and then, you know, not being in a... the same shape that she feels she needs to be in order to outrun zombies or, or something like that. Right. Um, also, I mean, they make sure to point out like, this is a tiny mochi. Like this is not, it is, it is a single portion a of single mochi. mochi. We're not talking about like by comparison. Um, when I was in Japan, we went to a, a store that was completely like sweets. That was sort of like it, its whole deal. Um, and I bought, they sell gift boxes. You're supposed to give them to friends. Like they come wrapped and everything. And there was a Hello Kitty one that was really cute that had chocolate mochi with like a green tea sort of matcha center as opposed to oh, Azuki. Yeah. yeah, I bought it. I ate the whole box. I'm not sorry because it was good. Um, but 
yeah, by comparison, like this is like 139 yen, like a dollar for the yeah. for a single serving of mochi, and it's it's not gonna unless you're freaked out about your caloric intake. It's not a big deal. You it's know? literally like I have in my fridge right now a little bag of those um those individually wrapped mini Reese's. Yeah, it's like and I'll I'll have like a couple of those for dessert. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's literally like if she just saw like one or two of those little mini Reese's. Yeah. She's like, nope, can't do that. And it's like, well, I mean. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm sure like they're, they're, they're putting this out there now. I don't know that the story will necessarily get into like nitty gritty about overcoming an eating disorder or anything like that. More likely we're going to see at some point a callback to this where she allows herself to have the mochi. And that's going to be like a, a moment. I don't know how many episodes in, but. I feel like with this setup, like eventually we're going to see this lady have a chocolate bar or something. And it's, you know, going to be. I mean, again, even in the ending scene, like we see her and the rest of them, like, you know, joking and laughing and hanging out and and just having a good time. So I think that's definitely where this is going, which is good because as, as fun as this episode was, I do think it highlighted like Akira is going to need to make some friends soon. Oh yeah. So that yeah. we have oh, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that so we, we have, have more, more, more to watch. Yeah, and I, I think based on the opening and also the ending, I mean, we know that um, Shizuka is gonna. We're gonna be seeing more of her. Uh, there's another girl who's blonde, who I think we're gonna be seeing more of. And there's a, a really like fit guy who doesn't wear a shirt that we're gonna be seeing more of. Like, don't know where they come in or you know how that's gonna end up working out. I expect road tripping on the motorcycle, that kind of stuff. So. Um, I think episode three might give us more to like kind of get excited about too, but was happy to be introduced to her. She seems like a really cool character. Yeah. I always like it when a, when a show does that thing where it rewinds back to like earlier in the episode and you see the events from a different character's perspective. Yeah. 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 I like that. That's what they did with this one too. It was like, it took me a second and I was like, Oh wait, this, we, we are going back in time from Shizuka's perspective. Um, yeah. And we have run out of time, but I do also just want to say uh, Undead Murder Farce is still really good. So go watch Watch it. (laughs) Watch it. Um, Maybe we'll have time next week to talk more about it. Because I I bet you next week we get kind of a wrap up of this uh, vampire arc. Right? Yeah, I feel like it's the kind of show where it's going to be the the way that it, it seems to be structured where it's like three or four or however many episodes per like case mm-hmm. that they're going to be going on. Yeah. I feel like it'll, it'll be fun to check in with like every case to kind of see how it unraveled and yeah, you know, all the clues and stuff. A couple of like highlights from the most recent one is I liked where if you, if you go watch it, you know, uh, the main character, uh, her head is in a cage and we see the main guy like moving the cage for her while she talks and it'll be like a first person's perspective. So you see that, the bars but you can see it shift because she he just like knows who she wants to be talking to so like he i love that her. yeah the like, whole dynamic they laugh at each other's stupid jokes all yeah. the time yeah um, they do honestly it's, i i like them a lot i want them i like to. them a lot yeah i like that i also um a lot of it is this kind of unsettling dinner table scene where um the vampires are all slurping blood soup out you know they're either drinking it or they're like eating it like a soup and they're just trash talking the detectives at the opposite end of the table about whether they're like good enough for this job or not and i'm like i kept wondering like did they leave the table or are they just 
Are they just saying this shit directly? In front? And they were, but maybe that's, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, well, you're yeah, rich and I'm dead. You have no need for manners. <laughs> manners are for, for the poor. <laughs> for the poor is, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up uh, this week. We'll be back uh, most likely with Jackie at San Diego Comic-Con. We'll be wrapped up. We're still, I don't, con stuff on the A&N side is nuts. Like we have San Diego Comic-Con right now. I'm a freelancer that's going to Evo in Las Vegas. And then I believe next weekend is also Otacon. So um, I'm not going to be at all of those, but just know that I'm managing all of them. And it's, it's a lot, but uh, keep checking anime news network. We've got great interviews going up from all of these events. Um, slightly related. Uh, there's an interview I'm really proud of that went up today with, the horror manga creator um, Masaki, sorry, I'm trying to click on it, Masaki Nakayama, and talking about his series PTSD Radio, which I was an early adopter of absolutely adoring because it's so good. And it got a print edition recently and now is nominated for an Eisner. And I don't know if they've announced the Eisner winners yet. So by the time you listen to this, we'll know whether he won or not, but Junji Ito is also nominated. So we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, go check that out. We've got an interview with the team behind Suicide Squad Isekai going up next week. Um, also, an interview with Burnout Syndromes. If you enjoy their music, that's going up next week. It's just uh, banger after banger. So, with that said, uh, I'll, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for reading. And have a good weekend. Have a good one. And let me click the right video. Bye. <laughs>